Hi y'all, it's Soul Care by SoCal. This is Dr. Brandy Reed and Beth Jacobanis, licensed clinical social worker. And you're here for another amazing episode. But before we get into that, please, drum roll please, Brandy. Please take a moment to listen to this message from our sponsor, who makes it possible for us to come to you every week. (laughs) All right, enjoy and make sure you engage with us on social media so that we can hear your thoughts and feedback. We'll see you on the podcast. Take care. This is Soul Care by SoCal. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. This is Brandy and Dr. Brandy. I'm sorry. Dr. Brandy Reed. <laughs> and this is Beth Jacobanis. And we have a special guest with us again. She's back by popular demand. Oh my gosh. You guys don't even know. You guys broke the the anchor podcast <laughs> okay she was so popular yes with her discussion on sexual self-care that we had to bring her back just for you yes obviously this is a hot topic and an important topic so we thought it would be important to talk about the top 10 reasons to see a sex therapist yay so so today we have with us Holly Wood, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a doctoral student in sexual health. And human sexuality. Human yes. sexuality. Mm-hmm. And she works here at SoCal Therapy Center as one of our therapists. She um, is an expert in sex therapy and so we wanted to kind of bring to you a discussion today of why do people go see sex therapists what what is that all about right like i think it can be stigmatized sometimes around oh only people who have real problems go and see a sex therapist or things like that very minimized and very uncomfortable and we don't talk about all of the possible reasons that this kind of a thing is actually a really important thing for people to know about in case it's a, in case they have the need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think um, just to piggyback on that, yes. sometimes the ego, right, will uh-huh. keep you from the pride and all of that will keep you from wanting to seek out help when you know that you really need it because you're in denial or because you just feel like this goes against all codes for womanhood or manhood right or or possibly um spirituality or spirituality Mm -hmm. you know i i know that there are a lot of different um religions that will say no sex before marriage and along with some of that comes that anxiety about sex therapy if you're not of my background can I trust your perspective on this things like that mm-hmm. so we want to give you this information to maybe uh, build your comfort with some of your options absolutely so why don't we jump right into it right 
and let the expert talk about it. <laughs> We're so excited to have her back. Like, you guys don't even know. Thank she really did break numbers. I don't know if you <laughs> really understand that. She really did break Aww. numbers. I'm so. blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me back. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. I think people are still a little unsure of what exactly sex therapy is or what would cause someone to see a sex therapist. So yeah. you guys kind of already touched on some reasons why a person might see a sex therapist. You know, these concerns with manhood and womanhood and whatever mm. that means, or feeling shame, whether it's mm -hmm. from religion or the way we were brought up. These are actually some of the common reasons that I see people mm -hmm. in sex therapy. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. But um, I guess before we jump into that, I figure I would share with you guys what exactly is sex therapy perfect place let's do it <laughs> so sex therapy is first and foremost psychotherapy so we're therapists before we are sex therapists it's a form of treatment for sexual concerns that cause distress so whatever is concerning for the client that's going to cause them distress in their life um, it includes looking at the whole person so biopsychosocial framework what's um, impacting their sex whether it's their biology their um, emotional makeup, their psychological makeup, all those different parts kind of work together to inform a person and inform their response to sex. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and it that often... That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and like I said, we're, we're therapists first and foremost, so mm. if you're coming for um, stress with relational problems or um, erection difficulties, a lot of times we'll find out there's underlying psychological concerns for that. So mm -hmm. we're going to make sure we address those first too. You know, if I have a client who's severely depressed, I'm going to tackle that because that's what's the most pressing concern at the moment. So we're okay. trained as sex therapists first and then take additional training to be a sex therapist. Hang on, hang on. You're trained as therapists as therapists first. first, yes. And then additional training in sex therapy. Yes, yes. So the difference in, lies in, you know, when someone becomes a therapist, a lot of mm -hmm. times we're required to take just one, like, 10-week course mm -hmm. on sex therapy. And there's way too much to talk about sex to fit <laughs> in those 10 weeks. And some therapists don't even get that 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So those of us who consider ourselves sex therapists, we find it important to take that additional training so we can be a lot more well-versed in different areas of sex and sexuality to help people with a variety of concerns. You mean like wow. a PhD? <laughs> well, a PhD isn't required. I'm, I'm just crazy. <laughs> I'm just crazy. You're, you're incredibly brilliant is one thing that I have observed in you Thank myself. You. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, all right, a couple of questions building off of what you just gave us. Yes. Is sex therapy talk therapy? Is it actually you go into a room with a couple and you teach them what to do? I mean, there are all sorts of crazy myths yeah. about what sex therapy is. Thanks especially to what, wasn't it Meet the Fockers? Oh, yes. Oh, right? yes. And Barbara I love that Streisand. Movie. Shout out to Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I love that movie. Like, are you going and, like, repositioning partners and things like that? I, or are you doing talk therapy? What does this look like in a room? Okay, very good question. So that's something I get asked a lot, even as far as, like, do I have sex with clients? 
So mm. I always tell people I'm a therapist. The only part of the client that I touch is their heart. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to say. It's <laughs> beautiful. Um, but so we, with your question of like, are we restructuring people? So it's mostly it's mostly talk therapy, mm. but we'll provide homework assignments. It's a lot more effective with homework, like a lot of types of therapy mm-hmm. that um, might include touching with your partner, with your mm-hmm. spouse. Um, it might include different forms of touching, not just genital touching, right, but right. different things to warm up to that, different mm-hmm. things that all fall under sex, but aren't just penetration. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like repositioning people in the room, that's possible. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's going to have their clothes on, but if people are, <laughs> you know, if somebody's struggling with um, sex with aging, maybe mm-hmm. their body isn't responding the same way and they can't get in those same positions. You know, a sex therapist mm-hmm. is trained to offer... Um, additional resources like there's pillows for stuff like that to help reposition your body you just brought tears to my eyes Holly (laughs) I'm thinking so I'm I I'm thinking of my great-grandparents and how my great-grandfather up until the day he died used to brag about chasing my great-grandma around the house (laughs) and how important that was to him Mm -hmm. how much pride he got out of that and how she would joke about yeah he's still he still got it for me Mm -hmm. you know and and just the thought of people not having that and that you can help bring that back and restore that just Gosh, really, uh, not exaggerating, brought tears to my eyes. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, sex is a natural part of our lives um, for a lot of people, and it doesn't have to stop just because things change in your life or your body changes. So sex therapists are trained to um, you know, educate clients and have that knowledge of how to support clients through those changes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so then... I guess my next question flew in and out of my head, um, <laughs> as they do, but it was it was along the lines of oh I got it it's back, okay so what if I don't have a partner? Mm-hmm. Can we still do sex therapy if I don't have a partner, or would it even be appropriate to consider something like that? What would that look like? You know it really depends on what the client is looking to work on. So I have individual clients come in for sex therapy services, whether it's um, they're working on intimacy issues while they're single to prepare for when they are in a relationship because that's something they want, mm-hmm. or um, clients who are single but are mm-hmm. also struggling with um, out-of-control sexual behaviors like mm-hmm. use of pornography, or maybe they're, they feel like they're spending a lot on um, online sexual escorts and things like that. So um, individuals come in for services as well. Okay, got it. What about that person who hasn't had a relationship in a really long time? Mm-hmm. That be appropriate? Yeah. So again, it's about meeting the client where where they're at with whatever is distressing to them. I think that's like a key of what good sex therapy is. Is you are you're attuning to where that client is and why it's distressing to them. So maybe the client that you're, you're talking about is coming in as an individual um, who hasn't been with somebody in a long time and they want to work on their, what they define to me as intimacy issues, which mm-hmm. is not a, not um, not necessarily fears of sex, but fears of that closeness. Uh-huh. So for example, I have clients like that mm-hmm. who come in to work on those underlying issues of closeness because they do eventually want to get back into a relationship. They mm-hmm. just maybe had um, troubled relationships in the past and want to prepare on how to better react to those things than they did in the past. Mm. 
So it sounds like you're working on the quality of the entire person and relationship and their ability to attach to other people. Yes, yes. Intimacy wow. is such a big part of our human lives. And, you know, um, sex is a, a big part of intimacy for a lot of people, too. But I think that that intimacy and that closeness part um, often precedes the sex part. And it's really important for people to connect. And so, again, like we're, we're therapists first before mm -hmm. we're sex therapists. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I just have so many thoughts. And I guess the first one and primary one is just that I've always characterize intimacy as the ability to be vulnerable right mm -hmm. so whether that's sex or not sex the ability to be vulnerable is what allows the intimacy to flourish mm -hmm. um, I also think <laughs> that when you are in a sexual intimate space your ability to be vulnerable is what makes it that much more saucy mm -hmm. oh mm -hmm. yeah it makes it a little more juicy oh yeah <laughs> um, I think on our last episode, we talked about how bodies react to different situations, different stimuli. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that might be the thing mm -hmm. that needs to be repaired is being able to be intimate, being able to be vulnerable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with their partner or themselves. Yeah. And it's interesting how you brought up, you know, how the intimacy can make sex more saucy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely agree with that. But then there's also other clients who use sex as a way to avoid that intimate closeness oh. that vulnerability so they're going from person to person or partner to partner just um, uh, yeah you know for the physical sensation and avoiding the actual vulnerability of opening up to a person mm -hmm. so that's where that idea that i can have sex and not like you or be connected to you or care about you comes from yeah for a lot of mm -hmm. people yeah i hear it more from our counterparts than <laughs> from women, but I think that's a stereotype, right? Yeah, I don't think yeah. that that's necessarily true. Yeah, I'm thinking of a conversation I had a while ago with a client who talked about um, their their multiple partners mm -hmm. um, and and the feeling that relationships were burdensome, mm -hmm. you know. And, and that was very interesting to me to see that for that individual, relation, the act of being in a relationship was burdensome, mm -hmm. but that they still wanted to connect physically with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being vulnerable takes a lot of work. It sure does. It sure does. So one of the one of the main reasons that like people might come to see a sex therapist like myself is for lack of desire. Mm. So that's the first one I thought about. Um, if people aren't feeling in the mood like they used to, people might get diagnosed with something like hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Um, it's difficult to treat, but the good news is that there is a solution. So it could be, again, looking at a biopsychosocial assessment of a person. It could be um, related to hormones. It could be hypothyroidism. Um, renal dialysis and then uh, we talked about certain antidepressants can also turn off desire last time you know those mm -hmm. SSRI type of antidepressants mm -hmm. can trigger a low sex drive um, so on the biological side there could be all those factors which is why a sex therapist might, like myself would generally work with somebody's primary care physician to rule out any of those biological concerns but also an underlying concern that we kind of talked about last time is stress Mm -hmm. And so a sex therapist like myself would then work on the underlying issues of stress and anxiety that can be contributing to lack of desire. Or for example, a couple comes in and 
um, let's say one partner is experiencing this lack of desire and the other partner isn't understanding why and then we realize down the line that the the partner experiencing less desire has this unresolved anger towards their spouse mm -hmm. yeah I hidden see that anger. a lot yeah hidden anger mm-hmm that comes up a lot yeah so that's one of the main reasons that someone might come to a sex therapist um, mm -hmm. another reason might be painful intercourse mm. so people experience pain usually I see this more in women so it's usually vaginal pain during intercourse um, which could again be something medical in, in nature but it could also be related to the body holding on to trauma Mm. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm excited to yeah. hear about that. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I could go on a, a whole rant about how the body holds on to trauma, but for example, sexual assault survivors, their bodies um, particularly might hold on to trauma in different ways. You see people holding on to trauma in their shoulders and then they're slouching all the time. Mm -hmm. um, for somebody who experienced sexual trauma, their muscles in their pelvic floor area might tighten up when they're experiencing intercourse even though they intellectually are able to recognize that you know this is a safe partner I'm consenting to have sex with now their body is still holding on to that gut reaction their body goes into that fight-or-flight mode that they experience during trauma and tenses up and tenses up and that yeah. causes pain mm -hmm. okay. yeah so a therapist like myself we would again work with um, work with medical providers or for example pelvic floor PTs are great um, to what is that a, a pelvic floor physical therapist is mm. a physical therapist who's mm -hmm. um, has additional training specifically on pelvic floor mm -hmm. um, concerns and so a person like that would like I myself would work on the um, anxiety and um, overcoming reprocessing trauma side of things to get mm -hmm. to a place where they feel more relaxed and they could mentally work to relax those muscles and then mm -hmm. someone like a pelvic floor PT might teach them how to retrain those muscles teach them how to physically release those muscles mm -hmm. use tools like um, vaginal dilators um, and we would kind of work together as a collaborative team to give this person whole care so that they can get back to the sex life that they want mm -hmm. Wow! wow so are sexual assault survivors the only people who experience sexual pain? Um, no, I would say it, it's common in what I've seen, um, but again, it's, it's how our body holds on to stress and how our body holds on to trauma, which could be in different ways. Yeah. I had a previous client from years ago who um, suffered a, an assault um, out in the community and even though her husband didn't look like the person who assaulted her, didn't represent the person who assaulted her, it was still a man. And so she clinched every time he wanted to touch her or be mm -hmm. intimate with her. Well, months after the incident. And it was a huge issue for for that client because obviously you want to be intimate with your, with your partner. Mm -hmm. You don't want your partner to start wandering or feeling insecure mm -hmm. because you don't want them to touch you anymore. So mm -hmm. it brought up a lot of issues. So I'm sure. glad we're talking about this. Absolutely. And I think um, this is kind of what, what pushed me into this area of, of study is because I think we see a lot of trauma healing tools and therapies and modalities to help people heal from the trauma. But what's left out is that sex piece. Mm. I think I think people are often afraid to talk about sex with sexual trauma survivors because we don't want to re-trigger them. But um, rape and sexual trauma is not 
not just a sex thing, it's really a power thing. So that's what we're dealing with when when revisiting that trauma and to leave sex out when just because somebody's a survivor and we don't want to trigger them when sex is going to be probably something that they want to re-engage in is really a disservice to our clients and our survivors. Yeah, we talk about wanting to quote unquote treat the whole person mm -hmm. and what, what therapists mean by that is not wanting to leave pieces out and you're talking about a really important piece mm -hmm. because we are all sexual beings. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad we're talking about this. I can <laughs> yeah. see why you had such high numbers. <laughs> it's, it's good to be talking about this kind of stuff. Why right? you are so popular. Thank you. Mm -hmm. oh, making me blush over here, guys. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of me blushing, <coughs> you guys kind of mentioned another reason why people might come in is, you know, shame. Um, so sexual shame can be experienced a lot of different ways, whether it's from Beth, I know you mentioned um, maybe having a strict religious upbringing that mm -hmm. was more sex negative or focused on abstinence, um, or if you grew up in a family where maybe sex wasn't talked about or it was known as something dirty, people come in with all this, you know, society labeling and throwing things on them that cause them to internalize the sexual shame. And that can really be um, an issue for people. And that can manifest as erectile dysfunction or feeling anxiety. Um, I think there's like this idea of how genitals are supposed to look like based on what's available in pornography. And so when you're seeing these bodies that don't represent your body, that can be really a, a shameful experience to see that my body isn't aligning with these bodies um, portrayed in pornography. Wow. You know, and I... I <laughs> okay, I'm trying to find a delicate way to say this, but <laughs> just, I still... Like, it, it, just give it to us, Brandy. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we're all grown-ups here. I just, and we're going to go back and put a disclaimer on the front of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just wonder... Okay. So, with... Mo with how do I want to say this? I think porn shows a lot of different types of bodies, mm -hmm. right? I'm trying to say it without saying it. I think <laughs> porn shows a lot of different types of bodies, and everything looks different and weird. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I would think that you might be more confused looking at porn because everything looks different. Well, I think like different as in like different from your own or like there's lots of varieties. There's varieties. Diversity. There's different I, I, lengths, different yeah. girths, different sizes of holes there are different <laughs> okay okay there are different hairs different you know and so we're getting better we're getting better pornography is diversifying but i think you really have to kind of still go digging for example like i get people asking me like where's like feminist porn or eco-fetishist porn eco -fetish. or porn with different bodies you know bigger Whoa. bodies you Can we talk about eco-fetish? <laughs> what is eco-fetish? <laughs> I don't want to get too off track, but yeah, eco-fetish are, um, you know, people who eroticize the earth and plants. And, oh, um, okay. You know, like whether, having sex with plants? It can be having sex outdoors. It can be having sex oh. with plants. It could be incorporating, you know, kink toys that are made out of organic earth materials. Huh. Ah! I love it. <laughs> There's actually, I, I think, a it. website. Such diversity. I think a website called... Um, I don't know if I could say it here, F word for, for forest, and um, it's a pornography website that also plants trees. 
<laughs> but you have to go digging for stuff like so that, it's right? Porn like, with a cause. Exactly. <laughs> you have to go digging for stuff like that. Naturalist porn. <laughs> Whereas, wow. you know, we're talking about the different bodies, and you said there's different lengths and girths. Like, one of the most um, common questions I get is actually from men asking me, and the, without being inappropriate, like genuinely asking, like, what is an okay penis size or how can I ejaculate more um, because they're seeing these, you know, big old shots on on Pornhub or they're seeing these very large penises which aren't representative of the public, you know, aren't representative of average penis sizes. Mm -hmm. And so um, we talked a lot about women last time, but I think men internalize the shame about genitals too. Mm. Okay. working with... So here's the message coming... Yeah, so... Some of y'all might know, but uh, not everyone, I'm sure. I'm like third generation Hollywood, mm-hmm. okay? Grandfather wrote for the Loretta Young show. Dad had a long career in um, in television, and I had a shorter career in television. Um, but I'm very familiar with casting directors, and as you're describing this, I'm envisioning a casting director asking a porn uh, actor to disrobe and judging him as much by the beauty of his face as by the beauty of his penis, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when you start getting into that, and we think about, we have all these conversations about women internalizing models and that kind of stuff, this is really the same conversation for men, Mm -hmm. but it's never given voice for men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so working You're with... You're blowing my mind, Holly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, so, and so working with a sex therapist, we can help to educate you on those things. We can help to, you know, show you normative bodies. We can help to explore the fact that, you know, a lot of these shots on pornography with, you know, massive ejaculations, a lot of that stuff isn't real. So... Mm, it's but, fake. Yeah. Um, Ejaculate. ejaculate. A oh, of, a lot of times they use fake ejaculate to make these massive shots. <laughs> Interesting. Um, do they do that for the women too? I'm, you know, I'm gonna have to do more research on there, but I, I would imagine so. Um, well, we could have a conversation okay. offline. But, but Harry, <laughs> when Harry met Sally, I think doesn't that answer it all? I don't know. I don't remember that movie. You, oh my ah, goodness, my so baby! It's so, been such a long time <laughs> since I've seen it. But yeah, the, okay. So like Meg faking, Ryan uh, is known for sitting in the middle of a diner and faking an orgasm in public. Oh, okay. In order to make the point to Billy Crystal, yeah, that a woman can fake an orgasm all day long, and a man is never going to know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I was speaking to the ejaculate part mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we all know that we can fake an orgasm <laughs> I don't know maybe don't we know. all know it I don't know maybe we don't know now maybe you're right maybe you're right I think yeah Ooh. Yes. secrets <laughs> unlocked secrets unlocked so so going off of that another reason why people might come to see me is for orgasm difficulty so we're talking about you know faking orgasms mm-hmm. we talked before about the orgasm gap and so it's orgasm difficulty whether people are feel like they're having too much there are people who trigger to have orgasms like while brushing their teeth and like crazy stuff like that that's a a disorder right a real one a physical disorder Mm -hmm. where you are like constantly orgasming yeah yeah and i would say like what's that one called uh, i'm not entirely sure okay but as far as like disorder it's like what's distressing to the person again so it might seem like 
wow, I'd have great oral hygiene if I was orgasming every time I brushed my teeth. But for this person, like, it was really distressing because it takes up part of their day. Wow. More commonly, though, I get people who are coming into a session because they're not orgasming enough or finding difficulty in reaching orgasm. Yeah. So um, sex therapists can help to educate them on... Um, whether it's like the biological structure, like where the clitoris is, different ways to touch and massage, um, by working with you um, individually or with a partner on expanding what sex means. So not just penetration, penis and vagina stuff, but also, you know, oral sex, um, digital sex with, you know, hands and fingers, different masturbation techniques. So that way we're not just focusing on the orgasm. I think that's a big mistake is people focus on the mm. orgasm as being the central thing about sex, mm-hmm. but it's really like the whole journey. So you get to spend time in the session in the room teaching these different techniques, getting mm-hmm. to the real root of the issue mm-hmm. rather than just focusing on the superficial levels of sex. Yeah. Do yeah. you ever find the, okay, so in the therapy crowds we talk about transgenerational trauma. Mhm. So transgenerational trauma is when maybe our parents or our family members have had trauma that gets unconsciously transmitted to us and we carry anxiety and we don't know what, why it's there or what it's about. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you ever experienced instances where you're working with someone who may have transgenerational trauma because let's say a parent was sexually assaulted? Oh, often, often. A lot of times I get clients um, who were sexually assaulted and then they mention that, you know, their mom or their dad didn't handle it the way they would have liked to, like didn't believe them or told them to keep it quiet, and then later found out that that's what happened to their parent when their parent grew up, that Mm -hmm. that the grandparent didn't believe them. And so Mm. uh, that happens quite frequently, So you see people becoming victims after having been victimized, their parents having been victimized. Mm -hmm. Do you ever see it where they haven't been victimized themselves, but they may have anxiety or low desire or something like that around arousal um not necessarily like in an intergenerational piece um more so i've seen like people having anxiety that they were going to like inflict harm on their own child because Mm. of harm that was inflicted on them as a child oh wow so i've seen stuff like that so Um, an awareness that there's the potential for the trauma and mm -hmm. wanting to work on that Mm -hmm. it's beautiful and people wanting to break the cycle yeah which i think is great okay wow 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 Mm -hmm. so are there any other pieces or things we should talk about in terms of why we should go see a good sex therapist like you (laughs) (laughs) um so infidelity is one we kind of talked about it with with um you know maybe there's a desire discrepancy because there's unresolved anger towards infidelity you know that a lot of trust is broken in infidelity which is going to mess with that intimacy and being able to be vulnerable Mm. so working with a sex therapist can help um, a couple work through infidelity if their choice is to continue their relationship Okay, that's good. That's Um, good. I could see that being a big reason for people coming in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, And then sexual changes after pregnancy and childbirth. So a lot of people say, you know, having kids ruin their sex life. And, you know, for for a lot of people, that's true. Um, It's hard to focus on getting um, back into the groove with your partner when now you have a baby crying and you're up all night or you have one attached to your breast while you're breastfeeding and then another one crying over in his 
like bassinet. Mm -hmm. So uh, the sex life really gets shaken up after kids. Um, well, can we just talk about just the pure anatomy, biological pieces that change, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Were you going to go into that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's definitely I'm going to leave you alone. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's a great question. Um, so, for example, for women, changes in hormone levels often leave them with a lower sex drive after mm -hmm. um, childbirth and particularly after nursing. Oh. Um, many women also have changes in their body, which make them feel uncomfortable. I see that a lot where mm -hmm. um, a woman will come in after experiencing childbirth. Her body changes naturally with having a baby mm -hmm. um, and going through all it takes to carry a baby. Mm -hmm. And even though their counterpart may feel that they're still as much attracted to their partner as they were before the baby the woman will oftentimes still just you know it's such a identity shift mm -hmm. in being like a maiden to mom or having this body that she had before having a child that it's hard to work through with some people yeah and you've just had a person pass through your vagina yeah and just the biology of that piece mm -hmm. I you know I I I do not have kids. I cannot conceive of what that would physically feel like mm -hmm. or how that would change physically how you experience sex. Mm -hmm. Well, and to your point, Beth, I there are a lot of lots of women who whose um, vaginal tissue rips, right, when they're having yes. when they're giving birth. And so that plus just the recovery period of childbirth can take some time and mm -hmm. so I would imagine somebody being a little more timid or unsure mm -hmm. of re-engaging mm -hmm. <laughs> sexually when they've had so much biological trauma if you will mm -hmm. to that that part of their body like mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine like mm -hmm. being wrapped up in gauze and all that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. and having to recover for what is it six weeks after childbirth before mm -hmm. you can have sex again mm -hmm. That's a long time mm -hmm. for recovery. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, there's so much about childbirth we don't even talk about, right? Yeah. You know, I think I was well into my 30s before I knew that after childbirth, you're essentially having a full period because your body is still shedding the lining and all of that stuff and how uncomfortable that mm -hmm. is. And, and these are like all these pieces of womanhood that we just don't talk about, mm -hmm. right? Even even when you are pregnant, no one's telling you, oh, you have to expe expect this. Mm -hmm. And then you get it from your doctor after you've given birth. Mm -hmm. you know? And then I think about the men who actually watch the birth happen mm -hmm. and how sometimes that can be traumatizing. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing your, your partner go through so much pain and so much, um, yeah, just so much pain and so much stuff through that experience but then you're also seeing a whole person come out that vagina mm -hmm. and what that does to their psyche and what they're imagining now next time it has to be in a sexual intimate space mm -hmm. I've heard some men have issues with that I've heard some men like I don't care I'm ready mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been <Yeah>. six weeks <laughs> more than six weeks <laughs> you know I'm ready I don't care uh -huh. <laughs> let's go exactly. but some men I have heard that it throws off their ability to see that person um, sexual again. Mm -hmm. And so that's why working with a sex therapist can be really helpful in seeing, it can help to reestablish that connection with couples to see each other as having just a warm, loving relationship with a new identity as opposed to seeing them as just overworked, recovering, stressed out parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important. And, yeah, absolutely. And so another thing too, like we talked about changes through childbirth, um, nursing, having kids. 
also about changing through age would be another reason why people mm-hmm. come to see me. I know we touched on it a little mm-hmm. bit with you mentioning your your grandparents. Um, great grandparents. Great grandparents. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so so there are natural changes that happen in the body as we age. So with both men and women, for example, women might notice uh, difficulty with vaginal lubrication. Mm-hmm. In addition, the thinning of the vaginal walls that occurs over time. And then as men get older, impotence or erectile dysfunction can be an issue. So working with a sex therapist, we can help to normalize those things, to educate you on the changes that are going to naturally occur to your body, and then adapt to them. So Holly, why would a man who's experiencing uh, impotence not just go and take Viagra and be done with it. Why, why would seeing you be an important part of the equation or seeing a sex therapist be an important part of the equation? Uh, okay, so, this, so bringing me to the topic of medication. So, so that's an option for some people. I tend to think of medication like, um, like, a, like a cast or crutches. Like if someone breaks their leg, I would expect them not to be able to run me a mile. Right now, I'd expect them to need a cast and crutches, and then maybe also some physical therapy to rebuild the muscles Mm -hmm. so that they can eventually run me that mile, and if they choose so, set the crutches down. Mm -hmm. So I consider myself to be like the physical therapy piece. So we have the medication you you can rely on and some people need, and that's the choice that's up to that person. But if you want to work on rebuilding those muscles or gaining the tools mm-hmm. to do it, you know, either with the medication or eventually mm-hmm. without, that's what sex therapy can do. That's what a therapist can do is help to retrain those muscles. And again, we're looking at, um, and I mean like those therapy muscles. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah. So rega- Let's be clear, yeah. people. <laughs> Training those therapy muscles so that we can, again, expand the idea of sex, like take the pressure of having to have an erect penis off the table mm. you know so you can pleasure your partner without an erect penis there's sure. a lot wider range way of looking at sex mm-hmm. so true so very true so holly what makes a good sex therapist if someone is interested in going out and looking for a sex therapist what are they looking for what questions should be should they be asking mm-hmm. how do they know if somebody's good at this or not very good question so I know finding any therapist can be like dating so (laughs) it's it's difficult you have to get to know the person not just by their credentials that are listed but as a person because therapists are people too so I think um, to get started if you're using your insurance I would check with your insurance see if they have a sex therapist I would also recommend looking into ASECT which is the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors and Therapists. Nice. Um, They have an online directory so you can kind of click on which state, what area you're in and you can find professionals listed with their insurance um, and their specialties and these are people certified by ASECT so you know that they are credentialed to do this type of work. Um, there's also online services like Psychology Today that will kind of tell you somebody's specialties if they are, you know, poly kink aware, if they specialize in LGBT issues, you can find those there. And then you can also kind of Google like a sex positive therapist in your town to Ooh. find out um, if there's somebody who is affirming or specializes in areas like kink or ethical non-monogamy. 
Um, so sex positive isn't just that we're excited about sex. No. no. <laughs> that well, I mean, for sex. some people that is. For some people. But when you when you ask like, what is good sex therapy? I think it is good sex therapy is really affirming and non pathologizing. Yeah. It's, it's meeting a client where they are at with what is distressing to them. So I think that's important when you're when you're meeting with a therapist. Are they attuning to your issues? Are they um, aligned with what you feel like is the problem? Yes. Mm -hmm. So if a client comes in and, you know, maybe they're struggling with some issue with their sexual identity and maybe the the therapist is like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, be who you want to be and go just go uh, interact with your family this Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. without understanding the distress that that might cause somebody who's struggling Mm. with their sexual identity. Yeah. And they're not able to meet the client where they're at they're probably not going to get a whole lot done. And mm-hmm. so you want your therapist to understand you, to understand why this is distressing to you, mm-hmm. and to meet you where, you at, where you're at in a way that is non-pathologizing, non-shaming. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love the way you frame that. I, you know, I'm thinking, too, of when we were talking earlier, and I noticed you were very specific in your verbiage about people who use a lot of porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of jumped out at me that you didn't use the A word, addiction, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and I think when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about porn um, there, and people who do use it heavily, mm-hmm. there is this feeling of shame that's already there mm-hmm. and a therapist calling them an addict or telling them they have an addiction mm-hmm. can very much make that shame worse Mm -hmm. rather than liberating them and freeing them up to find healthy usage patterns so i i want to like really like highlight the way that you did that because i think that's something we don't see a lot of we we automatically put labels on things Mm -hmm. and what i hear you saying is you're not going to label people you're going to look at it and say what is it you need help with Mm -hmm and start where they are seeing their difficulties. So if they're identifying that they maybe need to reduce usage, you're gonna help them find strategies to do that. Mm -hmm. But if they aren't finding that that is problematic, then you're going to stick with whatever piece of brought them, of the things that brought them in and work on those pieces. Mm -hmm. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes, yes, so working on what's problematic for that person. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really special because I have known people who have, who have received that diagnosis and then said, but I don't know that that was really an accurate representation of me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so it's meeting them mm-hmm. with this feeling of maybe it feels out of control. That's usually the verbiage that I use. You know, having an out of control sexual behavior, whether it's excessive porn use for them, something that's mm-hmm. excessive for them, or it's taking up too much time of their day that they're not focusing on work. Mm-hmm. If it's distressing to them, that's where I'm going to meet them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. You what know, are other things that um, that might cause a person to feel sexually out of control? Um, I've had clients who are, you know, either either a lot of times it's excessive porn use, excessive masturbation. They feel like they're masturbating too much to the mm-hmm. point that it's that it's causing them pain or distress. Okay. Um, I've had clients who are jumping from 
partnership to partnership and that mm-hmm. feels out of control different sexual partners mm-hmm. which again it's is it out of control for them if you want to have sex with multiple partners that doesn't bother me but if it's causing you a problem then that's what we're going to work on mm-hmm. or also Got clients it. who are spending a lot of money on escorts or strip clubs and uh-huh. then that's um it's distressing to them because because either they're spending too much financially or it's breaking the contract that they have with their wife uh-huh. um so then that becomes distressing got it absolutely i can only imagine there's a show um called love after lockup don't judge me <laughs> <laughs> um i just think it's hilarious but anyways one of the characters um, characters. One of the people in the in the reality TV show, he had just gotten out of jail. He had a, a drug addiction, and his way of dealing with this drug addiction was to now replace it with a sexual addiction, mm-hmm. in a sense. His um, fiance, who w- waited for him, didn't know that, and so whenever he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to therapy," because she's thinking he's working on his drug addiction and other just issues, right? Mm-hmm. He was meeting up with random people in motels and hotels and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Very crazy, right? I think anybody looking at that probably would just say, oh, he's a manipulator, he's a liar, he's a da-da-da. But hearing you talk about how addiction plays a role and like you just feel so out of control Mm -hmm. and just it's causing more distress to you and your partner than you can even really manage, Mm -hmm. it puts that whole situation in a different light. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not always just the person's being manipulative and this gumball and mm-hmm. trash. <laughs> it's a coping, Sometimes it's they a have a real mechanism. thing going on, right? And it's a coping mechanism. It's you know he's not trying not to use drugs, mm-hmm. and now he's doing that to whatever whatever purpose maybe drugs might have been fulfilling for that person. Now he's using it another way. Yeah. So, so I hope he connects with a therapist like you. I thank you. I so, so that too. he can stop hurting his fiance. Love after lockup. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've talked about some pretty severe things here. Mm-hmm. Is sex therapy only for people who have like really severe issues? Mm-hmm. Who is sex therapy for? I think sex therapy is for anybody who is feeling some type of distress over a sexual concern. So it might be mild. They might come, I've had clients come to therapy for something else, but what what I mentioned um, where my area of expertise is, they'll come forward and say something like, oh, well, you know what, I actually, I've actually been struggling dating because I have an STI diagnosis and Mm -hmm. I don't know how to come forward with it Mm -hmm. so maybe that's not their main reason of being there right Mm -hmm. but now that that they've heard that that's something that's okay to talk about in therapy Mm -hmm. then they're like you know this is causing me a little distress maybe it's not the biggest thing on his plate right now but Mm -hmm. it's interfering with his ability to connect to somebody Mm -hmm. yeah I could definitely see that sure so what are some resources that listeners can tap into Mm -hmm. um to support them through this journey Mm -hmm. along with seeing therapists like you (laughs) What other things can they tap into? Yeah, so I would definitely check out ASECT if you're looking for a clinician who is certified in in sex therapy. If you're looking for some books, maybe something for reducing shame, I would recommend Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Mm -hmm. Um, For if you're somebody dealing with desire loss or desire discrepancy, I would check out Mating in 
Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. Ooh, what a title. Mm-hmm. And then for Infidelity, I would I have two that I think are really good. So The State of Affairs, Rethinking Infidelity by Esther Perel, and also When You're the One Who Cheats. Mm. Right, that's important. Mm-hmm. We that's the person who tends to get lost, left out of the conversation mm-hmm. and vilified. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Holly, good stuff. This is really good stuff. I'm so excited you brought it today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me, guys. Mm-hmm. So, just once more, because I don't know that we said it at the beginning. How can people find you if they specifically want you? They feel connected. They feel like yes, you would be great mm-hmm. in helping me with my issue. How sure. do they connect with you? Sure. So um, you can find me on the Soul Cal Therapy Center website. Again, my name is Hollywood. You can find me right there on the therapy site link. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, if you wanted to check out more of what I'm doing, you could follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash sexhollyg. That's sexology with sexhollyg. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me there as well. That's Beautiful. very clever. Um as I understand on your Instagram, you also do videos reviewing different products related to sex and mm-hmm. things like that. So if people are looking for toys or things, mm-hmm. they can get your take on them there. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank yeah. you. All right. So our website, once again, is SoCalTherapyCenter.com. You'll find our phone number there. You will find Holly's bio. Um, go ahead and tune in or give us a call at the center, which is 818-804-0322. Yes, and if you want some of these specific links um, or products she's been talking about, you can go on the website, hit the tab Soul Care, and you'll see this PowerPoint um, kind of outlining what we've discussed today, Mm -hmm. as well as all the links for Amazon so that you can purchase. Absolutely. Um, click through, purchase the books that she's used, uh, that she's mentioned using our links. Um, a little reminder that our holiday gift guide is also out and you can find it both on the website, um, and on our very last podcast, which launched on, uh, Good Friday, uh, not Good Friday, uh, Black Friday. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's out so if you are looking for some gifts for someone you love or for yourself we have some soul care oriented gifts available for you yes exciting stuff going on right Mm -hmm. all right so we're gonna let you go please tell a friend if you have found this podcast to be um worth listening to yes share us share us subscribe (laughs) and share Don't you love it when people say that? Subscribe and share. (laughs) Subscribe and share. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. So till next time, take care. All right. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.